podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What is good, people? Welcome back to another episode of the Undiluted Football Show. I am your host, Tony Foke. We are back. I know it's been a long international break and a lot of things have happened, but we are back. Joining me today on the Undiluted Football Show, we have Dev Bajwa. Dev, Bajwa? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely perfect. Thank you, Dev. Dev, thank you so much for joining us. I heard you're a Man United fan, so I know today might be a good day for us or or a bad day, but we'll get on to that. You know what? Let's let's start with that. Yesterday we got humiliated by Watford at Vicarage Road, which four-one, uh, which kind of led to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's sack. So, uh, first I want to ask you, Dev, what is next for United? Who did we know? He's finally sacked. They they gave a little farewell video. Carrick's going to be in for Tuesday's crucial game. But what is next for United? Who would you want to see be at the wheel, in a sense? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say, but because a lot of people have been like weighing up that interim manager versus like a permanent solution sort of thing. And I, I hate the idea of an interim because we saw it with Ollie and I thought like he deserved the job. And I think it's it's really sad to see him go. It was the right time to, to see him go because it couldn't carry on the way that it did. But any United fan who wanted him to leave or wanted us to lose to see him leave, they're not real fans uh, to me. And I don't think they can should really be joining us on whatever journey we're going to go on. And to be honest, seeing Carrick, t- <laughs> like, I I think the only person on that, just in that, um, like, kind of circle who spoke less on the sideline than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was probably Michael Carrick. And I, yeah. like, he played more years with Ronaldo than anybody else. I just don't see Ronaldo looking up to him and listening to him. And it, there's a lot of things to really change. But if we're going to talk from a manager's point of view, there's only one manager that I think we should get. And that's Eric Ten Hag from mm. Ajax. There's there's absolutely no one else who should be getting that really? job. Because, with Zidane? Nah, not at all. There's, with Zidane, I think he inherited an incredible Real Madrid squad. Ronaldo at his peak, all of those players at their peak. And yeah, you had to manage big personalities. I know we had the big Ertzel thing, which probably um, hurt him quite a lot when people were linked with him coming back. He didn't make any great real transfers while he was there. I don't see him as a big long-term solution for United. Like He'll probably get us playing a bit better and get us um, in the Champions League, probably firing on more cylinders than Oli. But in terms of being a long-term solution... Oli was brought in for that reason and it got too bad for it to continue. And I have no real qualms with that, but if we need a short-term manager to get us through to the end of the season, at least. And Zizou probably doesn't want to do that. He's, his wife has said he doesn't want to live in Manchester. There's no point in, in him coming. And it, he, we have this thing like with Tottenham with Conte, they eventually got him, but I, we're Man United. We shouldn't be explaining to people why the job is good why it's big or what the project is we're the biggest club in the world still like in terms of brand power in terms of who we are what we've done we are the biggest club in the world if you need telling why you should join us don't really deserve to be playing for us or managing us so not him but ten hag has got something to prove he plays great football he took ajax another level that many didn't think they were capable of going to he spanked PSV 5-0 that same day that we lost to Liverpool 5-0 and I think that was like a symbolic thing to say he's the man to to take us forward and I don't think he's got 
more to prove at Ajax. I think there's only so there's a ceiling at that club because of where they're placed. So him coming in with something to prove and getting Donny van der Beek in and probably he wants to sign Frankie de Jong as well. There's a lot that we can go to with him. So I'll take Ten Hag over anyone, over Enrique, over Pochettino, over Zidane. I want someone hungry that's got something yeah. to prove. And Klopp had something to prove with Liverpool. Guardiola kind of had something to, something to prove with Man City because there were people still like looking at him in a re- weird way. And Tuchel, the same with Chelsea. I want that hunger again. Oli didn't have anything to prove. Like he was just he was very happy to be there. He did a really good job. We all love him, but he didn't have that fire. Ten Hag has it, so I want him. And I think a lot of United fans will probably agree with me on that. No, I I agree to an extent. I still I think it was, if it was up to me, I would still have Zidane. I I, I kind of I would have I would I'll, listen. I would have Ten Hag, but I feel mm. like if someone gave me the choice of Ten Hag or Zidane, I would pick Zidane over Ten Hag. I really? Like, yeah, only because I feel like I know he inherited a very good squad, but let's we forget mm. this guy's won three Champions Leagues in a row. Yeah, and no, yeah. no one's ever done that. Like no manager can ever say he, they've won three Champions Leagues in a row, regardless if you had that Real Madrid team. I feel like. Mm is very hard to do regardless like there were still very good teams out there and they beat a lot of good teams so yeah. i feel like zidane is underrated tactically but if we get ten hag i wouldn't mind um speaking yeah. on ten though because he has officially come out and said that he, he won't leave mid-season so yeah. is it is it, a situation, so. is it a situation as you give it carrot to the end of the season and then ten hag because because i don't because i don't want to do that in all honesty because when i saw my character was have a headphone why uh, in the thing so like how the situation work yeah the thing the thing with Carrick like no disrespect to him but I I think there's <laughs> there's levels to this game there is yeah. there is levels to this game and, and let's face it Ollie I love him to bits I'll always love him and I tried to the very last day of his tenure to say you know what I'll back the manager always because there were fans that kept saying and that they wanted us to lose but some people wanted us to lose to Watford and get humiliated so they'd see him sacked I didn't want that I wanted us to batter them for us to get him a trophy I think the players have down tools on Solskjaer I think that some of them need to really look at themselves like our captain for one is a big one and I think um there's a lot of them that need to really look at themselves before we can go on to managers and things. But, um, you know, Oli leaves with his head held high for me and I will always love him. And it was, did you see the interview he he came out with um, at Man United? I like to see him cry. I I don't remember the last time a manager voluntarily called a press conference, not a press conference, an interview to go out to the world and then cries at the end of it. Like that man loved our club a lot and it got me going a bit to watch him like that. So I think, Carrick will have that. He loves Man United. He's written in his book. He's he's a big, still a big United fan, big influence. But the man, I, I don't want to listen to Michael Carrick. I've I've heard, I've listened to him before. Ronaldo's mm. not gonna Paul Pogba, Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandez, they're not listening to Michael Carrick at all. And if we're gonna compare the two, Ollie's probably a bigger club legend than Carrick ever will be, just because of yeah. by virtue of being a striker, maybe. Um, Ollie at least was a was a leader. He'd won a league at Mulder. He'd managed our reserves, won them a few league titles. So he had something that Carrick doesn't have. And Carrick will always be associated with him. So I think we should be getting an interim manager who understands that, who can drive a bit of pep into our team a little bit but it needs to be an established manager we've been linked with um lauren blanc he's been yeah, quite heavily linked so ralph ragnick as well being ralph ragnick like I, I mean 
you, you can't argue with how good Ragnik is, but I don't think it'll suit us very well with the football he plays. Blanc, club legend, again. like I, Well, more cult hero. He was there for like two, three yeah, or four yeah. years. But I mean, it's... I don't read... I'd, I'd, I'd go for Roy Keane over Michael Carrick, but I don't think Roy Keane yeah, is the exactly. right person either. At least he'll kick <laughs> off like asses, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like I'd, I think the players will listen to Roy more than they'd listen to, to Carrick, with all due respect yeah. to him. So... I just see that and I think if I'm in a dressing room and I see Michael Carrick and Darren Fletcher shouting at me, I'm not saying I'm not going to run through brick walls for them. Roy Keane, I might. So if Roy wants the job, I, I'd give it, I'd, honestly, if it's an interim position, for me, it's between Ragnick, Blanc and Keane. Those are the only real managers. Luis Enrique has been kind of touted about, but he doesn't do short-term projects. He's done Spain and Barca for like five years each. He won't come for eight, nine months. But if... If all of this means we can get Ten Hag at the end of it and we just need someone to drive a bit of oomph into these lads, I'd prefer that than going for a long-term solution now if we can't get him. I think Ten Hag is a man. I, I back him, but I don't want Carrick. I want He can take Villarreal and he can... I think short-termism, short-term managers, like when Giggs did it before... Um, <laughs> it the end of the season, yeah. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like all of that. But I think um, Carrick ain't the man. So let's yeah. give him the give him the game because he's it's only two days away, and then mm. let's see if um, Ragnick or Blanc can take us, or if Roy Keane will take us. I genuinely think he should be considered, considering who else is there because he's the only one who loves us and actually cares about us. And he probably get Pogba out, which I've been quite vocal of since the beginning of the season. So you want Pogba out? Yeah, not for. Um, I don't hate him. Like I think I think he's a great player, but. There's more back. There's too much baggage that comes with Pogba than what we actually need, and I'd prefer to promote Van der Beek, sell Pogba for some money rather than leave him on a free at the end of the season, and then mm. have everyone laugh at us again, and have Raiola take another client off of us and not bring in Haaland because that's probably what will happen. So I'd I'd get Pogba out. Um, he's more injury prone in the last two seasons than he's ever been, and I think he's down tools on the manager as well. So mm-hmm. I'd happily see him out after that Atalanta game. I'm convinced he's. He's out, so mm. sell him. Roy Keane would sell him. Carrick wouldn't. <laughs> Roy yeah, Keane. <laughs> you're not wrong there. So quickly, yeah. we, if you had to pick, would you rather get, if you had a choice, hypothetically, yeah. to Dan in now for a couple seasons or interim and then Ten Hag at the end, end of the season, what would you go for? Uh, interim and Ten Hag. Without oh, really? So you really yeah. want Ten Hag? You really think without Ten Hag? A doubt. With, without a doubt. You the man's got something to prove. Take us to the heights of Liverpool, City, Chelsea. Yeah, I do. If um, he can get us playing like he gets the Ajax team playing, we'll win leagues. Mm. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say we'll win leagues. He is different. He's absolutely different. Pep said he wants to reti- he wants to take a break at some point in the next two years. Klopp, I think, needs to rejuvenate his squad. He's not got the best people behind him. I think we could sneak in and start winning some leagues under Ten Hag, 100%. All right, all right. So, um, looking at Ten Hag, so I hope you know what because I, I like Ten Hag. If he mm. brings in Frankie, I would love, I'd love Frankie, you know, midfield. I feel like that's that's very good balance as well. Yeah. Nice football again. Um, yeah. but just finishing off with Ollie because I was, I know, uh, Sam is watching this in the background, he's gonna get on to yeah. hear this. But he said that Ollie's not even a championship manager, which I think is complete BS and complete cap like I don't know how you can finish third and second in the league and you can't and you're not better than a championship manager or a Premier League manager for that fact because yeah. we had an argument on my podcast saying that he's not even top 15 which I think is a bit of, bit of a harsh reality but yeah, you see Oli Gunnar Solskjaer I know he's going to take a break from management he's going to be with the family and so on and so off 
But do you feel like he has the potential to come back into the Premier League? Or do you just think just because of the narrative was so bad that people just don't respect him and he won't get another Premier League job? Well, I, I've always thought Frank Lampard could come back into the Premier League. So mm. um, Oli did better than him, way better than him. And yeah. I don't see why he couldn't come back. But I think um, Oli's personality doesn't suit the Premier League. Like the press was so invasive against him and his his family and were like went on him all the time about rumours and about everything. I don't think that suits him. I think but Is that because he's the Man United manager though? Let's say if he goes to a, less, yeah. a lower club, there's less... Yeah press on him, there's less pressure and he just goes out and play his style of football where, whatever that is. Do you feel like yeah. he could take a mid-table mid-table, like a Southampton or something like that? Do you know what I mean? One of them teams. Yeah. I think I think every other manager kind of has a bit of an edge to them. I think I think yeah. Oli has a bit of an edge, but not enough to convince teams to take him back. So I think like Thomas Frank at Brentford, you know, he's got something about him. Dean Smith, he walked straight into another job after getting sacked by <laughs> a team that he should have yeah. been doing really well with. So I yeah. think those kind of like even Harsen Hootel, they've got a real edge to him. Harsen Hootel's lost 9-0 twice and he's still Southampton manager. I think yeah. like they've, they've all got a bit of edge to them. And one of those 9-0s was against Oli, of course. So I think um, no, but he reminds me a bit of, you know, when Sven-Jorn Eriksson came to the Premier League and it never worked out for him but then yeah. he went to Sweden he went to different areas he went national and it kind of got better I think Oli's suited for that I'd see him go into the Norwegian national team back to Molde or at an inter, like a Serie A team or at a like a not a La Liga team I think that's exactly the same but somewhere like that kind of area would probably suit him the Eredivisie would probably suit him re really really well but yeah. Premier League I don't think he'd want it I don't I think he's got he's had the best that there possibly could be. Same with Lampard. So I don't think we'll see Oli come back for the, for that reason more than his managerial stint. He, you'll take any manager who took you second to the Premier League. Really exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. So people need to come off that narrative that he's yeah. not <laughs> of a decent manager. But um, let's go on to other clubs because if not, we'll talk about Man United all day. Liverpool <laughs> dominate Arsenal. I'm kind of glad Arsenal, because uh, they were on their 10 beat. Uh, 10 yeah. game up and running kind of I saw I was seeing Aaron Ramsdale comp compilations so that's when I knew yeah. like I needed Arsenal to lose just to peg them down a bit but uh, Liverpool looking good and um I think it was just back to business for Liverpool really I feel like they, yeah. they're one of the best sides Arsenal didn't look that great was mm -hmm. there well Arsenal didn't look that bad in, in the first half but then the second yeah. half they kind of capitulated do you see was that just a stint for Arsenal or was that or have Arsenal just found their level that they can beat the crappy teams but still they're just not there just yet? Yeah, Arsenal found their level for sure. I've like Liverpool one of the best teams in the world. I don't think anyone really begrudges a tough loss against Liverpool, except except our one. I think that was a lot worse. But um you saw like Liverpool at their best though. So against us, I don't think they played their best. Like we got battered mm -hmm. by a subpar performance, which is what was a nail in the coffin for Oli for me. But then Arteta kind of, when he like stepped up to Klopp and like they tried to have a bit of a fight, it got the crowd going and he thought he could take on Klopp and he thought he could take on that crowd. And then they just blitzed them and they played some of the best football all season Just and they just like, like wiped the floor with them. So I think Arsenal though, if there's any consolation, like Ian Wright said it on match of the day, they shouldn't be too worried about losing that game. Even in, if it was eight or nine, I don't think it really would have mattered because it was individual mistakes like Tavares giving away the ball to Jota, really like high profile, like youth type of mistakes. Like it's a really young squad. They spent yeah. a lot of money and I think they're, they're just going to go from strength to strength this Arsenal side. And 
like I think we'll see them challenging for Champions League maybe in the next two or three years if they gel properly. Um, people need to chill on Aaron Ramsdale a bit. <laughs> like they really yeah, yeah. Like, I think he's good. His distribution is yeah. good. But saves and I'm seeing comps and then no, I'm not liking it. Like I'm seeing, like, do you, I th- was it the the Leicester one where he did like a? It was a very good yeah, save, that yeah. free kick save. It was in the middle of the goal. I'm so it just was like if Sh- if Schmeichel did it, if Van der Star did it, it would go in their archives of other good saves because mm. he's done it when Arsenal are playing badly when they needed a save. It it elevated it, but I'm not saying you should catch it, but it's not great. It wasn't. He didn't even position himself right to save it properly, and he had to dive in the middle. So. I wasn't convinced, but Arsenal fans need to chill. I think they need to take it down a peg because they were getting a bit too big for their boots for where they were at the beginning of the season. So I think, um, yeah, they've done well um, so far. It was coming down to reality, but it's a big test when they play us. If they beat us, then I think that's a really big statement. But if they get battered by us, that's where they're at. I think they're still top half, top seven, maybe top six, but it's going to be a long time before they get to top four if they don't gel quickly. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like when we have yeah. them late November, if I remember correctly, and it depends if if Carrick's in the job. <laughs> who knows? They'll batter us. They'll batter us. Carrick in the job. They'll batter us. batter Carrick. City, City comfortably beat Everton. Yeah. You know, and I, I, there, there was nothing new with that City game. Yeah. I feel like Everton have just fallen off a bit. Really, they had a really dusty of the season. I was calling them the Murray Gray FC. I don't think now there's no wins in their past six for Everton. Yeah. Should, like, not focusing on City because who cares about City? Um, yeah. Should Everton be worried? Because I feel like is this the same old story with Everton? They start where I remember last season they were top of the yeah. table before the um, Merseyside derby and then they just fell off again. Is this the same yeah. old story with Everton? Yeah, I'd be depressed if I was an Everton fan at the moment. Just if you took everything all together, you've got an ex-Liverpool manager who outwardly said he doesn't like Everton, thinks you're a small club, has now come to you after spending a lot of money and he's made a couple of good acquisitions here and then. He got relegated with Newcastle, was the last thing he did in the Premier League. He brought them back up, to be fair, but he's not... I don't think the Everton fans ever took to Benitez personally. Um, And whenever they lost, they go straight to him. I know it's on Twitter and it's like, you know, social media is not a very good representation, but I don't think the Everton fans have got behind their manager and his teams have been really underwhelming since like he's come on board. So um, if I like, because there was talk about United getting Rodgers and I'd feel the exact same way if we'd got him thinking, God, this ex-Liverpool manager thinks he's this. The minute things go wrong, I'd gun for him too. I think Everton have done that with Benitez. So the January transfer window is huge for them coming up. Like they've got a great midfield and they've just got an awkward attack like that that don't keep fit. They're always on international duty, always get little niggles and stuff. So they got a good striker. I actually think they do okay. A good striker, good centre-back, they do all right. But in this market, everyone needs a good striker and a good centre-back. So I think they're going to... They'll struggle to get top off at this rate. And Man City, uh, I don't know, probably top three teams in the world right now. I'd say no one plays better football than them in the world. Um, that are so They're so boring and that they're that good. You just expect them to to walk through you. So, you know, Everton should be too concerned about that. But it's they need to look at themselves and think, do they actually trust their manager? Because I don't think they do. So how many will say it? I don't know, but I can feel it. 
and the yeah, Goodison no. Park's never loud anymore. It's yeah, it's depressing. It's just not the same, is it? Because I remember yeah. before he got signed, there was there were, there were death threats, there were loads of things, and they took onto him, yeah. and then it kind of got quiet because they started winning games. But now, okay. no wins in their past six. It's slowly coming back up again. But um, we can go on Spurs quickly. Conte ball um, one two one. Did you watch the game? Did you think I did anything different from Spurs? Did Spurs look any different? They should have been more than one nil down at half time. Yeah. I thought Leeds let them off. Um, Leeds could have scored early in the second half, to be fair. And on the face of it, you say, Oh, Conte said something at half time and they got better. They didn't. I don't think they played very well at all, Tottenham. And I think yeah. when they got the first goal, the noise in that crowd, I think it scared Leeds a little bit. Like, I, I don't, I think Leeds are used to having real vocal support and their away fans were the same, but like. I just think they crumbled a bit under um, under Tot- Tottenham's pressure, under their lead. And also, Leeds were without their star striker, without their star man, Rafinha and Bamford. Yeah, Probably a different game if they'd start with them and not a 19-year-old striker and Dan James at right wing. Like I, th- I think they're probably playing better. So I think they can count themselves lucky, definitely. But you know what? It, Tottenham's had a really crap start to the season and they've had a really bad go of it since uh, the Euros with the whole Kane drama. So... I won't begrudge them a win. I think they more than deserved a win. But yeah. if they're going to now go on and say, oh, we'll kick on from here, we'll do this, you've got a long way to go. I think we'll yeah, start man. seeing it after December, like during the winter periods, because Conte's never liked the winter periods. He, he struggled with Chelsea during that time. So we'll see little bits here and there. I don't think it'll be consistent, no. My heart says it just won't be consistent at all for uh, for Conte. And... I could be wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong. I don't like Spurs. I don't I don't really like their fan base sometimes. I think they want more than it that they're due to get. But yeah. you know, we'll see. I've just I just don't think today was an indication of anything, to be honest. Do you feel like they're capable of winning a trophy? Like I said, I feel like if Conte comes in, the trophy he has to go for is the European Conference League. <laughs> yeah. Like they, can really cool. they can win yeah, that. They can win that. Yeah, they they can win that. But I nah. I th- I think they can win that and they can are they in the Carabao Cup? I don't even know if they're. Yeah, I think they're still in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, they're still in it. That could that could be something that they could win. Um, but people play their second teams. They'll probably play an all strength team and go and win it. All right, <laughs> cool. Go and win it. Um, FA Cup is always, you know, it's a magical competition. No one knows who whoever wins that. I think West Ham have got their sights set on that. They've come out and said they want to win it. So, I think potentially Carabao Cup could be theirs. UEFA Conference should be theirs realistically, but I just think like. If that's your level, cool. Yeah, win a t- win a champion, win a championship. It doesn't matter. But I think a, a, a significant trophy. No, they will not mm. win a significant trophy under Conte, and he'll leave within a, a year or two. Next year could be different. This year, now nah. I think they're too far gone for him to imprint what he wants to do on that squad. And some people are even annoyed with his team selection today. So how are they going to feel in the next few weeks when he has to rotate? God knows. But yeah, I think nah. Yeah, they're going to struggle. They'll struggle. Mm. And uh, on to the next game, Chelsea cruise against a uh, wishy-washy Leicester side once again. Yeah. And well, this is this. I was seeing it. Boring, boring. Chelsea scoring three. Yeah. I thought Chelsea only conceded four goals this whole Premier League season. Like, yeah. are they the best team in the league right now? Like, I know they don't play the greatest football, but they, mm. Tuchel came in and made them hard to beat, and yeah. just the way they play. And he can even throw in people like um, Chalabar, who's just. Yeah put himself into the side and looks very comfortable in this Chelsea side. Like, are yeah. Chelsea the best team in the league right now? Could they run away with it? Yeah, I think I, I think they could. Because I think um, 
they're starting to remind me of that first Mourinho side, you know, that really big, hard to beat 2004, 2005. It was just, you could not beat Mourinho that season. I think they only lost one game that whole year. And, you know, Arsenal were invincible the year before. We talk about Arsenal all the time. And yet Chelsea got like 99, 90, no, two points or something in their second season under him. It's like, it's ridiculous. So I think they're starting to remind me of them, like scary, big, physical, just won't give you two yards of space. We'll get pumped by them in the next in the next week. We'll get battered by Chelsea at home. And I think um, under Tuchel, that's that. Like I said at the beginning, like it's it's all about having managers with a point to prove. Like he had a big point to prove after PSG. He's now coming. He won the Champions League like it was nothing. Absolutely battered Man City in the final. Like it was a masterclass against against City. And now it's like. The only team that can rival them, there's two. I think Liverpool and Man City will run them pretty close. But if they can keep injury-free, they've been without Lukaku and they still <laughs> like batter teams. So if they can keep injury-free at the back, they'll win the league. If they get Mendy injured, even for four or five games, that will be a problem. But I think they're just so well-drilled. And yesterday we saw they were really probably the most well-balanced squad of the whole weekend. You just I yeah. couldn't see any gaps going anywhere Kante looks as fit as ever and I, I don't know how he how he does it so yeah Chelsea fans should be excited about this season I think they could probably do more than one trophy personally because they've got such good depth and if they got a double hopefully not a treble because that's our thing but if they got a double or something I think it won't surprise me at all they were my favorites to win the league at the beginning of the season and they're just living up to that so yeah I think they will run away with it personally but yeah. just a matter of time to see what happens uh especially in winter see if any injuries happen and all that but i think they'll they'll be all right yeah and um with leicester like we saw leicester beat united but then again then that's not hard but we saw them, yeah. exactly, we've seen them lose to arsenal we've seen them lose to chelsea now we've seen leicester haven't had the greatest start to the season mm. Like, I know we kind of dismiss Rogers with the United job because I, I don't even think about that. I don't want him anywhere near the club. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I've always put Brendan Rogers under the lights because I think Leicester are a really good side. I feel like mm-hmm. when they won the league in 2016, they've kicked on from there and they've been in and amongst around, let's say, the top four or six for a while now, but they've never finished yeah. it. And they've been in the top four. They've been been challenging at one stage, and then it always fall out at the end. Is yeah. it start? Is we look? I know they won the FA Cup in the Community Shield last season, but so does Arteta. Do we start mm. to look at Brendan Rodgers and say, "What's going on?" I don't, I'm not saying sack him because that's ridiculous. Mm. But I'm saying, do we start to question? Is he not? Do you see him as one of the elite coaches, or do you think he's just a decent coach and just doing a decent job at a decent Leicester side? I, I don't think he can ever get into the elite for me until he takes Leicester one step further than what we expect. Because I look at that Leicester side and I expect them to be top six, top seven. Like, I, I think Claudio Ranieri is an elite coach for getting them to where they were, like for winning the league. But I think if he if they win a big trophy, like an FA Cup is a big trophy, to be fair, and beating Man City to get there was no small feat, to be fair to him. But I think in order to be considered a top, top coach, you have to do top, top things. And he's, I think he's escaped the limelight because they don't really make big signings, Leicester. They always sort of live within their means and they always sell more than they buy. And they best, probably the best run club in the league. I'd, I'd stand by that. But it's like, imagine if they had like a 40 million pound player that wasn't firing or a player that he just couldn't get playing to the best of their ability. They've had Madison, who's kind of been that player, I guess, because he's rated like 70 odd million quid. But yeah. 
people keep thinking that they got Fofana injured earlier in the season and that's hurt them. It's like, okay, if some inexperienced, good, but raw, inexperienced centre-back is the reason for your play in this way, with three at the back, like, come off it. Like, you've got a good midfield. You've got one of the best strikers in Premier League history, let's face it, in Vardy. His numbers are up there. And you're not servicing him. You've got Tielemans, who any club would, would kill to have him. Schmeichel, one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. It's like, well, you should be doing a lot more than what you're doing. And you mm. had 80 million off us to si- when we signed uh, Maguire and you had 50 million off Chelsea to- when you- they sold uh, Chigwell. That's 130 million quid that they never really reinvested in the squad. They bought Daka, who I thought, I think, I thought Daka was going to be a top, top player. They haven't really given him a chance either. And it's just like, well, he's- he seems to stick to what he knows, Rogers, mm. all the time. And when he gets to that point of going a bit further, he can never quite do it. So good manager but he'll never be elite to me. He fell off with Liverpool. Celtic was easy. It was an easy job at that point. And it would have been worse if he hadn't won. Leicester, he's just exactly like you said, decent manager with a decent team doing decent things. That's it. He's, That's it. he's like yeah. a six or seven out of 10 for me. No, I agree. That's why I, when he was linked with the main manager, I was like, no way. Ex-Liverpool. <laughs> Couldn't to be fair. Well, uh, speaking of managers that are managing Scotland and now in the Premier League, Steven Gerrard, Stevie G got his first win as Aston Villa manager. Um, is there anything to it? Do we see him doing well with Villa? Where do you see Stevie G taking this? Because Villa don't have a bad side, Mm. but where do you see uh, Stevie G taking this Villa side? I'm I'm so happy he's here. I, I like even as a Liverpool player and whatever, you have to sit back and say, he's probably one of the best midfielders ever that I've ever seen by far. And I think like he is his, I've watched Rangers every now and again. And every time I watch them, there's always that common theme that they'll keep scoring goals. Even if they're behind, they'll come back and score. And it's because they've been playing against crap teams. Let's face it. Like Scottish teams are nowhere near Premier League teams. They know that. I think it's probably championship level. Um, Like Rangers, would probably stay in the Premier League, I'd, I'd say, but be near the bottom like uh, of the table. But all the other teams are Championship League One quality. It's it's a big gulf in, in Scotland. But he went there and he went, I mean, he went the whole season unbeaten. Like Celtic did it and then they went into administration. Rangers had to come up. He was in the Championship with them and he went the whole season unbeaten buying players like James Tavernier for 500k and like getting a Yanis Hadji, like Georgie Hadji's son and making him yeah. good. Like and getting Alfredo Morelos, who's suspended all the time. So, like, he's he's done a really really good job. And I'm, if I'm an Aston Villa fan, I think it's a step up from Dean Smith. Like Dean Smith was really really good, but he fell under that thing that Rogers didn't do because Dean Smith spent money. Like they yeah. spent. I know they they sold Jack Grealish, but they spent all of it. Like they literally spent 100 million quid on Buendia, Ings. Um, they brought Ashley Young for free. Twanzebi on loan. Like they Leon Bailey. They yeah. Yeah, like they spent money, so his time was always ticking. But re- he'll have time. He'll have at least two or three seasons to get it right, unless he gets relegated. Then, then we'll talk. But I think he'll. I don't think he'll get them to Europe. But I think give him two, three seasons. Europa League will probably be a shout for Villa, and it's one of the highest finishes for them. So, yeah, they should be excited to get him. He's passionate. He's raw. Got a lot to prove. He's seen what happened to his mate Frank, and he doesn't want that to happen to him. I think all yeah. of that will. Will play in his mind a bit so yeah really good signing for Villa I think he's probably the best signing of the whole transfer window because he'll get them playing and I 100 million really, and your manager. <laughs> yeah 
like he did well. Like I'd, he's won, he's won his first game. The monkey's off his back. Um, first manager to come directly from Scotland to England and win the first game because Fergie never did that. So yeah, I think he'll he'll do well. I and I want him to as much as it pains you to say. I actually I, really. I want kind of knew you mean. I wouldn't. I, I didn't like Steve G to play on. Well, I did like mm. him. Obviously, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked him. But as a yeah, manager, so, yeah. yeah, I have no no issue with Stevie G as a manager. Yeah. I, think he, I think he's a decent manager. But so, uh, last but not least, managers, um, Dean Smith, we spoke about him. He got his first win. Who yeah. thought it would, be, it would be that easy to win with Norwich? Do you see Dean Smith keeping up this Norwich side? Because I've always said Norwich are just happy to be here, FC. They're just <laughs> too good for the championship. And in the Premier League, they're like, okay, cool, we're going down. And yeah. I said earlier on a couple of episodes that Daniel Farker wanted to play this exciting football. And remember when Norwich beat City like a couple of years ago? Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, they're going to play Norwich ball and they're just not good enough. You can't play mm. that type of football when there's better yeah. teams that can do it better than you. So mm. do you feel like Dean Smith is going to... They, they played decent uh, yesterday, but do you feel yeah. like it is enough, they, they can get enough points to stay out of the relegation zone and maybe build on something and not be that yo-yo club anymore? Uh, no. <laughs> straight up <laughs> nah. Nah. like like Norwich are just like, I, I think you're right they're just happy to be here like I've, yeah. I've I've never looked at a single Norwich team like right throughout their whole um like let's say 2000 onwards like they started off all right in the Premier League I remember they had like Chris Sutton and Rule Fox and like some good players back then but then they got like the Rob Green and Darren Huckabee era and they had like little bits of good pieces here and there but they're not <laughs> if I look at that squad now I think there was a tweet that got sent out by um, someone who works for for the club, and it was like praising Grant Hanley because he played well in their in their last game. I'm like, I remember Grant Hanley. I remember him playing for like Blackburn when they got relegated yeah. with you when you got relegated, and he was your captain, and you were crapping on him. It's like you're you're banking on him now to to marshal your defense. Like Norwich are. Like fair play, they keep somehow getting into the into the league because there's I think there's better championship clubs than them. I don't see how they keep getting ahead of them all the time, but mm. I think Dean Smith is he's worked in the lower leagues before with like Brentford, with Villa, Warsaw even. So I think he's more of a long term view. They probably said to him, "Look, we don't expect to get out of this, right? If you can keep us out, cool. Like that would be great." But I'd say Norwich are firm contenders to go down. And I think Burnley will probably follow them shortly after. Not sure who the third one will go to. I think Brentford are, they need to fix up. I think Brentford will go down. Yeah, I, I think they, they need to fix up. But I think under Frank, I, I'd I'd have more um, like confidence in Frank and Brentford than I do with Smith and Norwich to stay up. Because mm. I think Frank's got something different and they play really well. Mm. So I just don't see it with them like Newcastle need to really start <laughs> bucking up their yeah, ideas as well speaking so, of Newcastle do you feel like they yeah. can stay up I know Eddie Howe had COVID and he didn't kind of manage but he yeah. was still there do you think yeah, they, they, they yeah they, they have they, there's no choice <laughs> Newcastle yeah. have absolutely no choice but to stay up like it's it's weird that the timing of their takeover as well it's similar to Man City's because I remember when City had theirs they bought Rubinho that one like marquee signing in the summer and that I think that January they went and signed like Shea Given, Richard Dunn, all these other players to like get elevate them a bit. I see Newcastle doing the exact same thing, like buying established Premier League players to keep them up. Eddie Howe knows what he's doing though. Like he's, I think what he's done at Bournemouth goes under the radar. I feel bad for him because when he got relegated with them, he was just scapegoated. But seven years he was there and he took them from League Two to the Prem. Like yeah. no other managers doing that. Do you know what I mean? So I think he'll keep them up for sure. 
and Newcastle. I'm looking forward to seeing what what they're going to do. I don't agree, obviously, from a human rights perspective on what they've done, how they got their money and all this. But if I had a problem with that, I should add a problem with the Premier League in general, because that's, I mean, that's not great. And um, our owners, I could talk forever about them, but, you know, they've got them, they've got a load of money. And if we were in their position, we'd be licking our lips thinking we're going to do everything now. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they'll do and how will... I don't think it'd be a long-term solution. I remember when Man City bought in Mark Hughes and it was like a similar sort of feeling. So he won't be the long-term manager, I don't think. But yeah, they'll stay up and they'll probably compete for the leagues if they do it properly within five years, like City did. I think that's a reasonable conclusion for them because the money they've got is yeah, <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah, so. it's we'll, big, it's a lot of money yeah exactly. We'll see what happens with them. But yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But he'll keep them up. I'm, I'm confident of that. And uh, let's let's before we wrap up here, we normally let um, our guests to come on on the Undiluted Football Show. We normally let them shout out anything they got going on. So, Dev, the floor is yours. Shout out anything you want to plug. Yeah. So, oh, I try to think what's the best thing to do. So, I've got a couple of things going at the moment. So, I uh, last year I uh, put out my first book, which was uh, the Football Spiderweb, which is on Amazon Prime now. So, that was a proper labour of love. It goes through like the last fifty years of football history to kind of link up all the bits and pieces that kind of brought us from then to now. So, it's like a one-stop shop for people who want to learn a bit about football. It's where I go into takeovers, the way the team plays, like money, commercialized football like just everything like kind of in one book so now I'm uh, in the process of writing my second which will be on football takeovers which I've never really looked into all that much but I thought with the Newcastle stuff it's probably a good time to (laughs) to start looking into it so that'll probably be out next year but hopefully my uh, new podcast will be out I want to say kind of at the beginning of next year probably in January time so it's called the unsociable hour which uh, it's on LinkedIn and the the YouTube channel is up but there's no videos just yet but it'll basically be like talking to people who are inside the belly of football clubs and say what is your life actually like like we all hear about players and managers and I'll hopefully get some on there too but I want to know the social media people like the people who are up 11 p.m. yesterday waiting for Ollie's news to circulate what would it what's their life like what's a head chef like like uh, life like when they're um I don't know a player gets sick or they have allergies or all this player liaison officers uh, people in marketing departments heads of in their boardrooms I want to know like how actually football works behind closed doors so it'll be a podcast where I try and speak to influential figures to learn a bit about that but those are probably the two main things. So, I mean, if you're up for stuff like that, definitely, uh, you know, give the Unsociable Hour a follow on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place you're going to find it for now. There'll be other social medias coming up. But yeah, watch this space for 2022. I'm, I've got all this stuff planned, but let's hope it just comes to fruition from that point on. That's brilliant, man. I'm going to, you know what? Can you get my LinkedIn right now, mate? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> right now. But um, before I end the show, thank you so much for watching another episode of the Undiluted Football Show. I've been your host, Tony Foke. You can follow us on an Undiluted Media One on Twitter and at Instagram. You can follow my app personally at Tony Foke. That is everything. Like, share, subscribe, comment with your friends. Sports Social Podcast Network.